What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined by Chris Grenham. <laughs> and Grenham, listen, it was a wild game tonight between the Celtics and the Bulls. Celtics had a 19-point lead, which they blew, and they lost 128 to 114, 39 to 11 in the fourth quarter, in which they, as pointed out by Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe, they did not have a defensive rebound. The Chicago Bulls missed three shots in the fourth quarter. And I think the craziest thing happened after the game in the post-game press conferences when, you know, there were guys like, you know, really calling each other out. And obviously, you know, I think guys were calling each other out. Guys were calling themselves out. And I think the most dramatic one was Al Horford when he said at the beginning of the fourth, I take some blame there because I just don't feel like I kind of brought the urgency. And I think, look, this team is imploding. He didn't bring the urgency, Grenham. It's it was Al Horford's fault. All of this is Al Horford's fault, and I, I don't know what to say, man. Like the, the season is over, and I think we know who to blame, and it's Al Horford. Everyone is saying it. It's more all and Al more, Hor- it. More, more and more people are saying it. The season is over because of Al Horford. It's true. I found it hilarious that he was the one, like taking blame when. He was actually okay for some stretches early in that fourth quarter. It seemed like he was the only one who had any real like energy or anything going. And it's like, that was hilarious. I think your text was no one is actually that positive. Cause he was like, I like what we're doing. We're improving. We're getting better. It's like, dude, come on. Like, did you just see what happened? Come on. Like much is going to be made by everyone else. And also us of Marcus Smart's quotes, but like Horford's Horford's quote, like really cracked me up. Like I was genuinely laughing when I was transcribing it. You know, he at, at the end of his press conference, he says, that's kind of the thing. The game was encouraging in parts, but we have some work to do. I'm encouraged the way that we're trending. I do believe that we're going to get better and we just have to stick with it. And I got to say, I have never seen a more perfect embodiment of the this is fine meme than that. Like literally everything is the press conference room has been set on fire by Marcus Smart and it is burning down. And Al Horford is sitting at the table and saying, I do believe we're going to get better. We just have to stick with it. So Al Horford is encouraged by the way that the Celtics are trending. Grenham, I believe we are not encouraged. Is that fair to say? Well, it's weird because I was encouraged for the majority of this game. My, I was telling you before we started recording, my game notes that I took throughout the game are a dramatic roller coaster. I I wrote like a take here. I think it was in the middle toward the end of the third quarter. I'm just going to read it. This is before, obviously, they blew the lead. But this is how I was feeling at one point of the third quarter. I wrote, I think everyone knew this was an important game for the Celtics, including the players. They stepped up. Even when they got punched by a barrage of threes right out of the gate, they responded. And they responded in a situation where last year's team probably would not have responded. And I think that's a win in itself. They stepped up to the plate in an important early regular season game. And I think that's a great sign moving forward. I was feeling very good about what you they were wrote doing. wrote all that in your notes? Yeah, because I want, I like, if I have a train of thought, I'll write it down because either I want to say it on the pod or I'll put it in something for Forbes. Yeah. I like, I'll jot it down in the middle of my notes. It's separate from the bullets, but it's in there. I was feeling good. That's an insane person thing to do. My was, notes are all just like Al Horford, 3J, looked good, nice P&P, like just like <laughs> illegible to anybody besides me. That's what a lot of my bullets do look like. They're one of them in just giant letters is poor Lonzo. 
And there's a lot of just stuff like that, but it all changed. Like even Lonzo Ball changed in the fourth quarter. He played good defense in the fourth quarter, whereas the entire Celtics team, mostly Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Dennis Schroeder were putting him in hell for a while, but it changed very quickly in that fourth quarter, end of the third, really. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was funny because you always felt like the Bulls had a run in them because it's not like the Celtics were so far ahead that you were like, this is, you know, the game is over. I thought, you know, Mike right. Gorman on the broadcast was a little early with his... Uh, I, I the, saw people tweeting about that. Yeah, he, he was he was a little, a little too uh, a little too trigger happy with that declaring the game over. But I do think, you know, obviously they had a big lead, but you always, you know, you always figure that a big lead doesn't necessarily mean a win. I think, you know, when I was watching, I, I think I kind of thought, okay, there's a there's a decent chance that this comes down to the last few possessions, right? Like you kind of think that a few threes here and there, all of a sudden it's a seven point game. The Bulls are playing with a lot of urgency. The Celtics are, you know, kind of holding them off. And you just kind of think it's going to be a normal end of the game. And nope, it was just a, just demolished. Like the, I think one of the funniest parts of the fourth quarter was DeMar DeRozan hit this absolute backbreaking three that was called off because he was, uh, he was a little late getting it off. It was after the shot clock went off and, you know, the officials reviewed it and took it off. And literally on the next possession, from the exact same spot, DeMar DeRozan hits a backbreaking three. And it's just like, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> like It just kind of looked like a team that got completely demolished and demoralized and, you know, eventually defeated, I guess. No, totally. They, they fell apart. It feels like, and this was a thing last year too, when they get down into crunch time where things start to tighten up, they really tighten up and they almost have like a bit of an identity crisis because in the beginning of this game, They were, you could tell, they were overemphasizing getting some spacing on the floor. They had really good pace. They were moving the ball really well. They had a lot of early assists. Like things were, they had a really nice flow to their offense. They weren't force feeding things to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, or I'm sorry, Jason Tatum, I think in the first half, I don't think he had a single three-point attempt. But, you know, you go down the stretch, they start force feeding isolation possessions to those guys. I mean, you more than anyone know, Tatum has not been great isolation wise early this year. And it's almost like they just panic. And that was exactly what happened. They went away from everything that got them to the 19 point lead. And when Chicago tightened up on defense at the end of the third and early in the fourth quarter, the Celtics offense was horrific. And that impacted them on the other end, because when they were missing bad looks on offense, their defense was really, really rough. And Part of that is credit to Chicago because Alex Crusoe and a couple guys really did lock down and change some things defensively for Chicago. And it really screwed up the Celtics across the board, but like a couple well put together possessions with the ball could have maybe helped put a little bit of a stop to that run, but they just, they didn't put up a single obstacle for Chicago. Chicago just rolled through that fourth quarter. I'm going to give you a guess at what Jason Tatum's effective field goal percentage is in isolation. And I'm going to give you a 5% buffer. So if you get it within 5%, you win. What do you think it is? Field goal percentage. I'm assuming it's pretty bad. Um, 22%. Oh, okay. Well, no, you were, you actually undershot it. Um, it So I have no prices, right? Rules here. So I should have gone, I should have gone over. Uh, no, prices right rules would have been the opposite way, but you, uh, you were not within 5%. Unfortunately, it was 29.2%. Yeah. As an effective 
which if you look at the other guys who are, you know, ISO, who are, who are really heavily isolation players early in the season, it's like Shea Gilgis Alexander, 53.7, James Harden, 63.2, Giannis, 50%, Kevin Durant, 74.3. And then even guys who aren't particularly efficient in it, like, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's 45.8. Uh, side note, look at your boy just ISOing constantly, like <laughs> relatively ineffectively. He but, gets some uh, bad looks in those possessions. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you just go down the list and it's like even the guys who are not playing particularly well in isolation. I mean, Dame Lillard, you know, Joel Embiid are like at 38.1, 36.4. There is absolutely nobody like, like the, the, <laughs> oh, man, the one guy who in isolation is uh, shooting a roughly similar effective field goal percentage. Lakers fans are going to love this is Kyle Kuzma at 26.1. So listen, we all gave, I believe it was Lakers insider 16, a lot of crap for that Instagram, like graphic of Tatum and Kuzma next to each other, but in isolation, (laughs) very comparable players this season. So yeah. Who is laughing now? Certainly. Everybody, everybody. This is funny to everyone. Everyone is laughing with their hot girlfriends who are just off screen. (laughs) This is so funny. I mean, it's so odd to see the way we talked about it with B-Rob about the double OT loss to the Wizards. They're not like they change things up, right? They don't heavily rely on the three point line for a little bit there against the Wizards. And then once they go up six in that OT, they just revert right back. And they go, it's, it's just bizarre. They, they are not very disciplined in crunch time in terms of like sticking to what has gotten them there. And they, it's, it's clear they really panic. I think everything Marcus Smart said was actually pretty accurate. I don't think it was all that crazy. We'll get into his comments, but I don't know, man. It was just a weird game because I really do think there were a lot of bright spots early on. I thought they did look pretty good, but. Look, I mean, I wrote about it for, for Boston.com because like, I do feel like, Nothing is more tempting, right, than to go complete, like, scorched earth early season overreaction. Nothing is more tempting than that. So if you want some genuine optimism, or not even optimism, I don't want to call it optimism because I'm not optimistic about this team. But if you want some, like, I I guess sort of almost devil's advocate optimism at this point, Tatum has yet to find his footing, right? Like, he is, he's always been streaky, but he's just not going to shoot 27% from three-point range for the entire season, right? That's just incredibly unlikely and when he heats up the Celtics generally start winning basketball games like assuming assuming guys aren't just you know scattered across the NBA by the time Jason Tatum heats up like the Celtics should win some games at that point because that's generally what happens they beat good teams like when he's really good the Celtics are good so you have to assume that at some point if Tatum kind of figures this out and gets himself together they will win some games All right, guys. Well, my sound might sound a little different because halfway through making a point about the Celtics optimism, uh, about like reasons for Celtics optimism, my internet went out, which I think is as good a sign as any to not bother with any signs of Celtics optimism. So let's not bother. Gretem, we're going to get into the uh, actual fireworks that happens tonight. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about our friends over at Shades On. Yes. Always want to shout out our friends at the Shades On Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout, Geno Time listeners know all about our friends over at Shades On. They make plenty of other great products outside of just the Geno Time Stout, but we're, of course, a little bit biased. But if you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, check out their beer garden and tasting room, which is down in West Kingston. Keep an eye out for all of the 
Shades on Beer Company products throughout New England. If you're in the Boston area, keeping an eye out for Gino Time Stout, you know, Buffalo Check, Juice Fountain 3, anything that has that Shades on Beer Company label, it is certainly approved and recommended by us here at Gino Time. All right, so let's talk about Marcus Smart. Here's his quote after the game when he was asked about basically like running the offense and kind of being a point guard and sort of leading the show, like all that stuff, just, you know, how he can help with the offense and smart, you know, kind of, kind of started the fireworks early. He said, you know, there's only so much I can do without the ball in my hands. I'm just standing in the corner, which was like, Ooh, okay. All right. We're getting a little spicy here and things got spicier. We're running plays for our best players. Everyone knows that they do a good job of shutting that down. We can't allow that. When they shut that down, we can't keep trying to go to those guys. We have to avoid that and find another way to give them the ball in the spots where they need the ball. Like I said, for me, I can only do so much just standing there in the corner or when I give the ball away. I do everything I can on the other end to try to combat that. I try to talk to the, and you know, it was it like, it was kind of like, an, Oh wow. Okay. Wow. Smart got a little spicy there. You know, he's obviously a little bit upset with his touches. And then the follow-up question was basically, well, do you want to, you know, kind of, stick with more complex plays and crunch time to improve the flow, just to, you know, kind of get the ball out of Tatum's hands a little bit, maybe in those, uh, in, in those, in those final minutes. And that is when smart really went off. He said, I would just like to play basketball. Every team knows that we are trying to go to Jalen and Jason and every team is programmed and studies to stop Jason and Jalen. I think everybody's scouting report is to make those guys try to pass the ball. They don't want to pass the ball. And that's something they're going to learn. They're still learning and we're proud of the progress they are making but they're going to have to make another step just kind of kept going can get into like some of these later quotes in the, it was a full paragraph of, of words from smart. Yeah. Um, he said uh, that he, he wants to see them being able to read their traps a little bit better, the one-on-one, et cetera. Um, you know, just reading that it's something we've been asking for them to do and they're learning. They just have to continue to help those guys and help our team. I, again, smart knew what he was doing, right? Like he knows that this is not, Like these are not your run of the mill. Like we lost a game and I'm frustrated quotes. Like these are quite literally calling out the two players on the team who the team is built around. And, you know, I mean, not for nothing, like Jalen and Jason are excellent basketball players, but they are also like the Celtics have a tendency, like, like many professional, you know, franchises to absolutely, I don't want to call it coddling, but it's sort of coddling their best players, right? Like they tried to do it with Kyrie Irving. And every team does this. Every team tries to make it as easy as possible for their best players. But the Celtics certainly do that with Jalen and Jason. And I am fascinated to know what the fallout is going to be of Marcus Smart doing very much the opposite of coddling a couple of guys here. Yeah. My initial takeaway, well, my initial takeaway was, oh, my God, he's going in. This is this is wild. I was not expecting this. But one of my main takeaways was that nothing Marcus Smart said was incorrect or, you know, wildly out of pocket or anything. I, I didn't think it was all that crazy. In my mind, maybe if you are going to have someone saying this kind of thing to the media, it might be better for like a coach like Emi Odoka to be saying it's someone other than Marcus Smart. I think that would probably be a better thing. Again, I don't think anything he said was that crazy, but it's probably not the greatest approach to have Marcus Smart bringing this to the media. I think that's probably not the greatest approach. That being said, yeah, I think you're right. There's a tendency among all professional sports teams to kind of coddle, just for lack of a better term, their stars. And the Celtics have had an issue with this over the last year-ish, where 
they don't really, like we were talking about before, they have kind of like that identity crisis down the stretch and they turn to Jalen and Jason. And right now with this current supporting cast and the players that Jalen and Jason are, they're not good enough to just be solely turned to and just here, take the ball and, and go and go do your thing. Like maybe against certain teams and in certain matchups, but for the most part, there has to be a better approach. So I, I do agree with Smart on a lot of things he said, but I just I just thought it was kind of fascinating that he seemed to be very transparent and didn't really mince words at all, you know? Well, I mean, so few players in the NBA are actually that good. I mean, right. you honestly, you could make the case that nobody is, right? Like, yeah. I think when you have this offense that down the stretch is so predicated, and it's crazy too because it's also – it's not even predicated on Jalen. It's, it's literally exclusively predicated on Jason Tatum and Tatum has been disastrously bad so far this season. Like he had one really good game and six pretty mediocre ones. And again, you know, the if if Tatum is bad, the Celtics are likely going to lose a lot of games. Like he's just he is so integral into literally everything they do on the offensive side. And I think, you know, it's to Smart's point if if your entire offense is predicated on one player and that player is known to be kind of streaky and teams know to try to take that guy away, I, I just don't feel like that's a recipe for winning basketball. Now, to your point, again, I'm not sure that Smart is the guy to be doing that. Smart himself is not having a great season. And, you know, not for nothing, there is a point guard on the roster who has looked a lot more like a successful point guard than Marcus Smart has. So it, it really is sort of this complicated series of things working into these quotes but like you said smart is not wrong like this like this team just like looks like a mess then they i think a big part of that is the fact that down the stretch it feels like there is one guy who's going to have the ball and it you you kind of assume throughout the entire possession that that guy is going to continue to have the ball and that's just a very easy kind of set a very easy scheme to defend totally and Tonight, it kind of felt a little amplified compared to other times because Jalen was having such a good night and he was such an important part of the Celtics building up that 19-point lead earlier in the night. You know, he enters the fourth quarter with 28 points or whatever he had. He doesn't get his first shot until pretty deep into that quarter. and it's a, It's a forced layup underneath. It's, you know there's always been a lot of force feeding to Jason Tatum late in close games. And I really do think, and it's just kind of puzzling on nights like tonight where even throughout the fourth quarter, I'm not even talking about in the final minute of a really close game. Like there really should be an effort to kind of get Jalen involved more. And that is what smart was saying. He said they need to do a better job of getting their teammates involved and creating for themselves and others. And that includes Jason getting Jalen involved. And that's, always been the conversation right how they can improve playing off of one another but it felt like tonight that was really emphasized because there's no reason why he should have had just two shots in that fourth quarter when he was having such a great night and he doesn't touch the ball really in a real scoring opportunity until deep into that fourth quarter that just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me and like smart said it's something they need to work on it was just surprising to hear him say that you know publicly to the media in the way that he he did. I was not expecting that. Yeah, no question. Yeah. What do we think the fallout of this is going to be? Because, you know, after the game or at, at, so after Smart gave these comments, 
Al Horford came out and talked. And like I mentioned, he was comically, you know, sort of like uh, self-deprecating in his comments and, and just obviously, you know, lying uh, <laughs> <but> like <laughs> um, about, you know, about his optimism and everything. But one way or the other, I mean, it, it's Jalen and Jason then did not come out and talk. And I, I know there, you know, there was some discussion about whether it was probably, I mean, Tatum probably wasn't going to talk anyway because he had 22 shots and 20 points. Like he didn't have a particularly good game. Jalen would have talked after a game like this, you know, 99.9% of the time, obviously he did not, you know, it feels to me, it kind of feels like a failure on their part. Not, and it's not, you know, I'm not trying to do some kind of like media, like, Oh, these guys owe us an explanation. I'm like, I'm not trying to do that. I just think if Jalen comes out and talks tonight, and, you know, somebody asks him, like, you know, Smart says you guys have to do X, Y, and Z. Then Jalen has a chance to be like, you know what? He's absolutely right. And he can he can brush it off and sort of, like, play it off like, you know, we do need to be better. We do have to do X, Y, and Z. You know, we understand, you know, Marcus does a lot of good things for this team. He can say all of kind of these things to, to just kind of, like, if he does all that, that really tamps down the story. There's probably less questions about it. Now, there's going to be a million questions the next time that we talk to these guys, right? Like there's, because it's going to be, well, we didn't, you know, we didn't get a chance to ask you last time because you guys didn't talk. And because of that, like, because there is this anticipation of what Jalen and Jason are going to say, or what Ime is going to say, you know, after like at the next practice, there's going to be another, you know, day of concentrated media attention on smarts comments. Like all of a sudden this thing gets amplified even more because it didn't get addressed tonight. And I, I, I'm curious what the fallout of that is going to be, because, again, it's not it's like Marcus Smart did not call out the sixth man on the team. He did not call out, you know, like he called he called out the franchise. He called out the two players who are the, the entire franchise right now. Yeah. I mean, you're spot on. Jalen Brown had an opportunity. He was scheduled to talk. And then uh, Mark Murphy tweeted out that he declined to talk. Obviously, we didn't hear from him he really had an opportunity to calm this whole thing down if he chose to do so. Maybe he was going to come out and say, screw smart. I, you know, <laughs> maybe he's, he's the one messing up, whatever. Who knows what he would have said, but he had the opportunity to really calm things down. And you're right. Now the speculation continues to kind of rage on the story doesn't go anywhere. And I think that's in hindsight, easy for us to say kind of a missed opportunity for him to calm it all down, but who knows, maybe it is, kind of a a touchy topic right now in the locker room and he doesn't know how to approach it and stuff like that. Who knows? You know, I certainly don't, I'm, I've never been under the impression that these guys owe us anything. It's not like a matter of he needs to talk to the media because he, you know, that was the plan and he, that doesn't matter. But I do think it was kind of a missed opportunity for him to kind of calm this story down, but we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And here I am again, speculating which we wouldn't be doing if we did hear from him. So I thought that was interesting. It only added a little gas to the fire, which there is plenty of. And I'll be curious to see right now. I don't think we know if they're going to practice on uh, Tuesday, but game Wednesday, and we'll hear from them at some point soon. But either way, kind of a fascinating thing that we didn't hear from either of those guys after smart. Just to close out the me sounding like a a whiny member of the media. It's, it's like, but now things, okay, if you don't practice tomorrow, and I, I would guess that they probably won't, like if they don't practice tomorrow, now all of a sudden 
you know, you get, you're getting into Wednesday, you're getting into the magic game and I'm sorry, this magic game, like I know it's early in the season, but if you lose this one, like, I don't know how many more worst losses of the season you can have before you start being like, maybe this thing is doomed before it starts. Again, you feel kind of silly saying that this early in the season, but at this point, you know, they've lost twice to the Wizards, twice in a row. It's like, if you lose once to the Wizards, fine, as long as you take one of those games, but you didn't. You know, and I'm not saying that in like a like a derogatory way toward the Wizards. Maybe the Wizards are just better than the Celtics at this point. Like, that's the type of thing that you have to start wondering when you lose back-to-back games. I still still think that's insane when you look at the personnel (laughs) of these two teams. But, hey, here we are. And, you know, I mean, like, yeah, there's, like, several, like, understandable losses, I guess. You know, there's, like, the Knicks loss was understandable at the beginning of the season. The Bulls loss would be understandable if you didn't know what happened. But it's, like, at some point it stops being panic and it starts being, like, real like realistic and and you start again i know we talked about this last episode but you start to look ahead at the rest of november you look ahead at kind of the brutal start to december and you're just like like good lord is this team going to be in like 13th by the time that you know january rolls around like they look terrible i don't know man (laughs) it could could get worse i mean you were talking about it on our last episode about how there's a stretch of this schedule that runs up until about the new year. That's pretty rough. There's, there's a couple tough stretches in there and this coming game against the magic. These are the kind of games that you really need. Like you said, the bulls game, understandable loss, just because now, you know, we know what happened. It changes the dynamic of that loss, but like you drop one of the magic. These are games that you desperately need to win because otherwise you're just going to bury yourself in a hole later on. And yeah, they could end up there if things keep going south relatively quickly. They absolutely could. And, you know, again, this kind of is where I come back to with smart too, where I'm just like, the Celtics aren't going to tear down their team. You know, like they're not going to like trade Jalen and Jason, you know, I don't think mid season barring like a true, like trade demand, like, you know, get me out of here right this second, which I don't think is coming from either of those guys. If, you know, we, if we kind of know anything about them, but it does kind of make you wonder like at what point the Celtics have to start looking at certain moves, right? Like, and I think the logical guy that you kind of look at is smart. He has seemed unhappy all season. He, they have a replacement on the roster for him. You know, it's not like if they trade him, they're like, what do we do about point guard? Well, there's, you know, there's Dennis Schroeder's right there. And he's clearly looks like a starting caliber point guard and they've got some backups and stuff like that. So, you know, I I think especially as like the conversation about his comments heats up, like there's, it's, it's going to be noisy. Like it's, it's going to be the Celtics have managed to, I mean, Ben Simmons should send the Celtics a fruit basket because one way or the other, like. This is a mess. We, you and I were talking during the game. They couldn't even tank when there's a good guy at the top of the draft. Like they're just they're just looking at uh, Chet Holmgren and be like, "Oh well, guess uh, skinny tall dude." Um, yeah, come on over. <laughs> hey, I would love to, you know, go deep onto some draft pods later on in the year. I'm not opposed, but it is messy is the right way to put it. And we were preaching for a tank last year. I'll start right now. Let's reach for attack. Let's let's do it up. Let's do it up. I just can't believe how quickly they reverted back, like reverted away from what got what got them to a 19 point lead tonight. That still blows my mind watching how quickly that happened. We obviously we don't need to get into it again, but that's just it was so so wild to watch. Scalabrini had a good point on the broadcast. You know, he, he said like it just kind of felt like there were a couple of turnovers in the third quarter, and you just started to be like, 
Okay. And I think after those turnovers, the Celtics got a couple of buckets. Like they, you know, they sort of got their feet back under them, but those two turnovers kind of felt like the moment when Chicago was like, Oh, okay. I think if we, I, I think if we take a couple yep. throw a couple of paymakers here, you know, this might be a team that might not have its guard up and sure enough, they didn't, the haymakers connected and all of a sudden the Celtics are just, you know, kind of stumbling backward. And Ime talked about the fact that they just relaxed and he said they got a little cute. How do you relax against a team that came out that hot right in the first quarter? They had that burst of threes. You know how quickly they can score. You have to know a 19 point lead is not close against that particular offense, but I don't know. They, they got very relaxed. <laughs> any uh any any closing thoughts here i we're gonna i think we'll probably try to do i mean we got to get nicole on the pod at some point here because i know she is just i mean the, it really is a shame that she couldn't make it tonight because uh the, the these marcus smart comments were tailor-made for her sensibilities but any 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 parting shots you want to uh any parting jabs you want to take at this team they really were there is uh, one parting jab that I do want to take at this team, and I was going to take even if they ended up winning this game by 19 points, their transition defense sucks. And there was some embarrassing, embarrassing sequences for their transition defense. They got Javante Green dunked on them after a free throw on yeah. one on one instance. There Did he was, get bouncier? Can he jump higher now? He hit his head on the backboard on that particular play. He is very bouncy. I'm very happy also that he found a nice role with that team. He fits that starting lineup quite nicely, but I'm very happy. But transition defense was really lazy for stints tonight, even when they were playing well and just really bad. So the Celtics, in addition to a multitude of other things, desperately need to clean that up. This this was supposed to be a good defensive team. Like that was supposed to be where they hung their hats. One way or the other, we are going to leave it there and we appreciate everybody for listening. It's going to be a heck of a season. So uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for making Geno time part of it. Buckle up. We'll try to uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all work through this together. It'll be a, it'll be a good time. So um, once again, if you have any questions, comments or concerns, you know where to find us. And we will talk to you all again later this week.